Hello and welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and this is the Beyond Being Well podcast. Here at the show, we are passionate about helping you, helping you build deep relationships with yourself, the earth, and others, helping you foster a deep, embodied sense of well being and empowerment, helping you slow down, work sustainably, and consume mindfully and helping you create social change from the inside out. So settle in, get cozy, and let's get straight on with the episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so stoked you've joined me for this episode where I'm going to be riffing on tree changing. Um, And I'm super excited because it turns out I have a lot to say. It's something I get asked about a lot. And I'm really excited about drawing together some of the thoughts and ideas I have about that um, so that it can help you if that's something that you're considering, but also just help to orient kind of embodied activism um, and the current climate in which we find ourselves and why embodied activism is so important. So whether you're considering tree changing or not, I know this episode is going to have a lot of food for thought that can help you to make some decisions about um, which levers you really want to pull to bring about the world that you want to see and how to get really clearly focused on your values and the systems that you and your loved ones are choosing to disrupt so you can um, work sustainably and really focus your efforts in a way that feels activating and exciting for you. This episode is perfectly timed, of course, the ideas that drop in at the right time always are, um, because next week, next Thursday, my flagship program, Sacred Steward, starts, and I've never been more excited about a space that I'm going to be holding, because since I chose um, to dance with that idea, to create that space, I have been through a number of really incredible and healing initiations of my own. And um, I'm arriving to that space uh, in a more embodied way than I've ever been before. And the wisdom that is being channeled Um, for the participants of that program and what we're going to do together is unlike anything I've ever created and unlike anything I've ever been part of so if there's something in you that is thinking about it I would love um, for you to jump onto the website makeberryman.com forward slash sacred dash steward and take a look or reach out to me dm pm email, whatever, um, because, or just enroll. That's cool too, because, um, I just think it's going to be incredible and the timing feels so delicious. So here in our household, we've all been sick. Um, and that has been prompting some big discussions about, what it is that we want our new normal to be. So I recorded a podcast a couple of months ago on this and um, I'm always continually looking to orient to our bigger vision and to ensure integrity in the decisions that we're making and 
just really, I think in the last couple of weeks, um, as we've had this cold and been dancing with COVID tests and all of those things, just really, um, coming to an understanding that this situation, these disruptions are not going away. Um, that, you know, really making space for the grief that our, that our world isn't going to be the same and that we should be planning for, um, kind of one to three years of this, um, by which, by which point there will be no old, right? There'll only be new normal. And so we are making some decisions and having some conversations, um, which I'll share in due course, I'm sure, but about what is right for us, what contracts we want to be part of, where we can unplug more from the systems um, that we don't feel safe within anymore. And um, yeah, it's it's bringing up a lot. But I also think, again, the timing of that I'm about to walk alongside as a fellow learner with these incredible women stepping into Sacred Steward, um, that there's kind of the perfect time for having those discussions. So that's what's been going on for us. Um, yeah, ready for it to be spring. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the, for the warmer months. Um, and just to bring in that fire element to dry things out, to, um, warm our bellies, to warm our inner selves and to create just a little bit more comfort, I think is what I'm feeling called to move toward. So that is us, but, um, I'm wondering how you're going and just in this moment, whether you could take a breath, maybe take a stretch, maybe take, um, some movements that feel really comforting for you in this moment and just bringing your body into a more spacious, um, place in order to receive this information in whatever way that is resonant for you in whatever way that is most um supportive for you to process it um i think that in the school when someone joins a program and we have that opening ceremony we talk a lot about orienting as a learner to the space and really sinking into how we best want to learn and journey through that experience, how best we want to travel through that experience. And I think that, um, there's an opportunity here, even in this space, in this conversation to just become aware and remind ourselves that when we're oriented more to that kind of spaciousness, open receptivity, expansion, comfort then we can take on ideas that feel supportive for us and just let go of the ones that are not and I think that we're moving from a paradigm of um of needing to be right and and gurus teaching um like skills and teaching right ways and we're moving more into this expression of activism and of inquiry and of life and well-being that is oriented more to um well how can I just be spacious enough um how can I build my capacity to remain in that spaciousness and openness so that I may find what is true and aligned for me. And that's certainly where my work is moving to is um, just really honouring everyone's way um, and making space for 
participants and members of our community to find their own way and that that process in itself is both regenerative and generative so I don't know why I went on that rant but it just felt um it felt important to say so tree changing maybe I'll just share a little bit about our tree changing story for those that don't know um so Dave and I um were living overseas we were working in Myanmar at the time and um, we knew that because of the burnout that I was experiencing and the the very start of my healing journey had kind of begun at that time um, I'd started listening to um, kind of information about sustainability and minimalism also kind of knowing that I grew up in this small L liberal kind of environment um, where I was homeschooled and was taught to critically think and just form ideas and question things and so I guess my response to the burnout was to start to look holistically on a macro level at the factors that were um, that had led to that point and I knew that the environment was one of those factors um, that I felt really strongly in my body was something that I would need to address um, in addition to all the ways that I perceived and was aware of stress, you know, knowing um, now that when we've experienced trauma and all of us have experienced trauma because we're human and no one's trauma is bigger or better than anyone else's, um, that neuroception, that that ability to know safety, kind of gets a little uh, gets a little skew if, <laughs> and we start to um, we start to interpret discomfort as not safety, and so at that particular point, I did feel really unsafe. I'd been living in um, Asian cities, big Asian cities, Bangkok, Manila. Um, then in Yangon I'd also been traveling for the last 10 years Africa the Middle East um, back and forth from Southeast Asia for so long that um, everything just felt like in my life that it had been stacked up against each other and there was not a lot of spaciousness there was joy and there was pleasure and I don't want to paint the picture that like it's it's ever one thing because it's not and I think that's a really important part of really asking that question am I unsafe or am I uncomfortable is that we can um, learn to discern that life at any given time is showing us lots of different textures and it's what we're attuning to that can really dictate our experience but at that time, I just had this inner knowing and then listening to a lot of kind of slow living, sustainability, minimalist podcasts, um, I knew that my environment needed to be something that felt conducive to my healing journey at that time for my nervous system to start to recalibrate and start to not attune so much to the symptoms and all of those symptom thoughts, but to a, a more spacious kind of orientation and so um, we knew also that we just needed a break Um, we had we had like I had finished working um, in the humanitarian space and then I jumped straight into 
opening a social enterprise and a business in the world's hardest country to open a business. Um, and so, and I'd been, we'd both been studying and, um, doing all the things, which was by choice at the time, but that was becoming, um, just this inner knowing that we needed, that we needed to opt out for a little while to just recalibrate. And I always say that, you know, I think it's crazy that we don't take regular breaks for, from the structures and systems that we've been brought up to inhabit. Like I think that human beings are not supposed to do the same thing every day for our whole lives, that we are dynamic, that we are cyclical, that we are um, beings that need different perspectives and different orientations in order to feel whole and to express wholeness. And so, I mean, I took a gap year, then I took this year that I'm about to talk about. I regularly take months off work if I need, um, just because we need those circuit breakers. We need those pattern interrupts, um, in order to gain wisdom and, and get deeper perspectives, which when we're in, the perpetual survival mode or when our environment is not able to invite and initiate us into response and delight and inspiration that's always a call to me that there's something that is um needing a a pattern interrupt to just to get access to a deeper or different form of wisdom so when we came back from Myanmar we decided that we were going to house sit for a year and we used a website called aussiehousesitters.com and we just started lining up these house sits Um, and so we in making that decision like the decision was that we want to take some time out Um, And we will make that work, right? So the decision was, and I'm going to talk about this a couple of times in the podcast, it's really important to understand that our mental mind wants to make all the decisions about every single thing before we leap. And my invitation is that sometimes, often, mostly, we need to leap in order to find creative solutions to the other things we can't throw everything up in the air and try and fix all the pieces down it's like you need one puzzle piece to be put in place so the others can be put in place and so we knew that once we'd made that decision that we wanted to house it then we needed to look at flexible work and at that time my holy grail was like I just want to be autonomous I just want a location independent lifestyle I had these dreams of being a digital nomad. Um, That was kind of the vision that I was working to at that time. But the underlying vision was I just need to breathe again. I just need a breath. I just need a moment. I just need time. It was also approaching, you know, in astrological terms and human design terms, I was approaching my Saturn return, which... um, which, you know, my profile in human design is four, six, and the sixth line has these three three very distinct um, life periods, one being from birth to our Saturn return, and then the second being from our Saturn return to our Chiron return. And so there was a lot moving that was kind of 
it was going to come out in one way or another that I was going to need this recalibration because I was approaching this time in my life where all of those experiences and all of that wisdom um, that I had gathered was ready to be alchemized into the next iteration of, um, of my soul and what I'm here to do. And so we started doing that house sitting and we um, decided that we were going to maintain the relationships that we'd built over our careers and to put the feelers out for some consulting work. And um, I was just starting to build this business. I was just starting to work as a coach um, and I was really feeling into kind of just working on well-being because I was still working a lot on my own well-being. Um, and we were fortunate enough, not, I'm not going to say that actually, that, that doesn't feel correct. Um, we were courageous enough to put that call out to the universe and to invest in our relationships. And I always say this to anyone that as an activist, as a change maker, um, as a seeker, your relationships are the highest currency and the, the most impactful form of wealth that we have. And why so strongly I believe that regenerative culture is about building communities of care because we have been separated from that life force of relationship, which sustains us on all levels. And we need to, as a collective, move beyond transactional ways of being to really moving to a trusting of we're going to build a relationship because we are here to co-create in some way and we don't know quite how that is. We don't know what form or contract that is going to take, but that we deeply trust that we can delight in forming relationships just because. And my experiences has been that those relationships have um, really sustained us in lots of different ways and vice versa, that we often share and give opportunities and um, share inspiration and share perspectives with others who are in our soul family because that's really meaningful and important for both of us. And so we, um, Dave spent that year flying back and forth from Myanmar doing kind of contract work. I had a couple of consulting contracts as well, but it wasn't planned out. Like we just had a trust that it would work out. And because we didn't have rent, because we didn't have a huge amount of, um, expenses at that time, um, all of our stuff was in storage in Canberra we were able to shift and change and evolve. And I just think that we are really blind sometimes, you know, because our systems have undermined it. We are really blind to our capacities and our resilience. And something that I'm really passionate about working with people is around re-illuminating those capacities that we have and our resilience and our tolerance for discomfort and for being different and for trying different things. Um, because when we know those capacities exist, we can have that felt sense of trust that um, we don't know exactly how it's going to work out. And yeah, of course there were some times when we didn't know where the next a bit of income was coming from, but, um, we worked together and we, 
you know, just remained connected with our relationships. And we started noticing that people were really interested in what we were choosing to do. And so we knew that there was something in that that was powerful, that the action, the movement that we'd taken was impactful in some way. Um, And so about, oh, I don't want to know, maybe four months into that year, um, we decided uh, to have a baby as well. So we were pregnant and house sitting and doing these contract work and, and I was building my business and um and it was awesome. It was it was such an incredible year. Um it was a hard year of healing and growth for me. Um also just becoming a mother was extremely was an was an initiation like no other, which I'm sure I will talk about one day in a podcast what that was for me. But we, at the end of that year, we found ourselves back in Melbourne and we were staying at my parents' house. And I've talked about this many times. We were really at this precipice. We're really at this fork in the road. And we've been having discussions all through the year, of course. We'd spent time in Tasmania, beautiful four months in Tasmania, in central Victoria, where we ended up in Canberra. Um, and we ended up back in Melbourne and staying in my parents' spare room, having these conversations and all of the rules, right? Like all of the conditioning just so present in our minds. You're about to have a baby. You need to settle down and get a job. Like this is not sustainable, which is so ironic, right? That actually for me now, this way of being is far more sustainable. And I think we're at this point where, um, I feel more safe as an online entrepreneur and activist um, than I would as an employee in the current economic climate. I think there's been a big switch in that. So, yeah, we were, like, having these discussions. Dave was going for job interviews. I was looking for part-time work. And we were, like, we had everything up in the air. We don't know where we're going to live. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know, well, we knew we were going to have Millie, the baby, but um, we didn't really know what was going to happen after that. I knew deep within me that I wanted to be in the country. And looking back, it was um, a desire that I had since I was a little girl. It's always been a desire of mine. I spent my summers and my holidays and so much of my childhood in the bush, my mum's family is from the Mallee and so I spent a lot of time at the Murray River I'm a river girl I'm not a sea girl and we like I knew it was in me it was in me from the start and um and it really came to looking at these apartments that we could just afford in Melbourne going for these jobs that didn't light us up in any way um and it was just a, it was just this process of knew, knew that we were getting to the pointy end of a choice, right. Of, of, of what we would need to choose and that that one choice would define a lot of other things. And so one day we started, like I was still looking at houses up in the country. I'd sometimes like drive up there super pregnant I'd have to have naps on the side of the road just to look at houses that I fantasize about buying um and so I think we had this conversation after one more dreadful interview where I was like I'm just 
like I just want to if we if we can get a house we're gonna move and so we were looking in a place um, where we had spent some time house sitting so we knew it really well and we just loved it there and so it was like so serendipitous um, that we went up to look at this house it was well within our price range um, because we'd come back from overseas, it was really, and we didn't have an address. It was really hard to get, um, to get references and to get, um, phone contracts and things like that. But the, the serendipitous thing was we had just this terrible landlord. Um, no, sorry, an incredible landlord, a terrible real estate agent who just didn't do any due diligence. And so was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, you guys can move in. I think he just wanted it done. And so that was it. That was the decision that we got this house and we decided to move. And literally within three days of making that decision, um, I saw a job advertised up the road in that, that, um, was three days a week for Dave. He went and had coffee with, um, because he didn't come from a background. It was in youth work. It was in kind of youth work. He didn't come from that background. Um, but he really wanted to get more into the community spaces and he wanted to work part-time. And so he called up this woman um, and he said, like, can we have a coffee? And they just had a coffee. And again, it was that relationship. I've just been doing some consulting work. We've been doing it together with a colleague that I worked with 12 years ago or 15 years ago. You know, these relationships, these threads of gold that carry us through life um, where we're not taught to invest any energy because we're taught it's all about hard work and like um and like yeah just just earning earning your stripes through like hard work and and playing by the rules and following boxes and like it's just not been our experience of the world so everything fell into place. He got that job. We had the house. Millie was born about four weeks later, three weeks later. Um, not long after that, we got Chester, our dog. And we just started orienting ourselves around our place, around place. And so looking back on that decision, it was really um, that we needed to prioritise at that time our values and what was most important. And for me and my nervous system at that particular time, as well as the undercurrent of desire that I was tapping into, place felt more important than job or um, I just I just knew that I wanted to orient around place. It tied in with so many of our values around community, around um, uh, permaculture, around just how we envisaged raising our kids and the community that they would be part of. And so looking back, it was, it was really a no brainer, but we had to go through that process, um, of challenge and, um, of really paying attention to how things felt in our bodies, um, and being willing and courageous enough to, try a different way, knowing that we would have capacity to course correct if we needed to. So after that, we stayed there for about two years. Um, and then we bought a house, 
um, about half an hour away from that, more into central Victoria. So we were moving further and further away from my family, and um, but we're still an hour and a half from Melbourne. And so now we own an acre of land. Um, we have done so much work to the place to make it um, aligned with our values and in integrity with how we want to live. We've renovated a studio. We've built um, six vegetable beds. We've planted about 50 trees, including about 12 fruit trees. We have um, about 15 chickens and we have 12 more on the way that are hatching in a couple of days. And um, we adore it. Like I thought I was happy at the last place we lived and I'm even more happy here. We get to look out every morning at the green rolling hills. I get to watch the birds. I get to... Um, my kids uh, play with the neighbor's kids. They come around all the time. They're almost like shared between us. Um, my kids go to a cooperative daycare, which I'm on the board locally. Um, we're really embedded and part of something. We feel like we belong not just to the place and the landscape, but that has been a huge thing is learning how we belong to the place and the landscape, learning the names of things, learning where everything's situated, mapping it, tracking all of those beautiful ways that we connect with nature. Um, but we've made belonging, you know, we've created belonging because that was a value of ours. And I know that for our nervous systems, belonging is a really important piece that our systems have derailed us from understanding and embodying. So that is where we are now and that's our story um and it's evolving right the story is always evolving um and we're about half an hour from a big regional center um and we're 10 minutes or seven minutes from a, a, a kind of middle center as well so we're, we're about seven minutes from a town which has shops and quite um quite a lot going on and lots of like-minded folks so we find ourselves really lucky that we get to be on an ache and we get to look out over beautiful landscapes we also live at the base of a mountain and that mountain is such a pillar in my life um it's granite it's got boulders all over it it's incredible and I feel like it protects us and that it's part of our belonging as well. So really comes down to the question, let me recap through that story on just some perspectives I have if you are considering this. We are living at this particular time where everything is changing and we have an opportunity within that, that there are these openings, there are these windows, there are these things that are happening that are acting as portals for us to step into congruence between the way that we're living our lives and the world that we want to see. So we have this intersection of a global pandemic and a disruption in all the ways that we used to um, live our lives, but also numb ourselves. Uh, we have that overlaid with an enormous movement and groundswell and deepening of understandings of the ways that capitalism and white supremacy have, um, created opportunities on the backs of black and brown bodies. 
And then we have this really decade of experience in healing, in mending, in the inner work that we've all been investing our time and resources and money in. And those three things overlaid at this particular time is creating a portal and a window through which we can start to see ourselves as the change makers that we've always been. We have a global crumbling of financial systems, which is allowing and enabling the building and the emergence of new economies, of new ways of being, of new um, flows of resources that don't just send money to the top, which is what the capitalist system has been built to do, but that we have opportunities to disperse resources differently in this time as the financial systems break down. We also have in the disruption of learning environments an incredible opportunity to create a third way and a third economy around education and early childhood education that we haven't yet seen. And I'm sure I'm going to be talking about that a lot more in the coming months and weeks um, as we navigate that and make some big choices around that as well. And then we have um, access to and a collapsing of different ways of living. So we have access to seeing how different people are living, different people are disrupting, different people are making impact and innovating. And so, and they're all being beamed into our lounge rooms. And so we have this enormous perspective shift in what is normal. And we have an opportunity to question everything Um, even Dave and I were saying the other night, like maybe we just get rid of this artificial, like nine to five Monday to Friday situation. Like maybe we work flexibly across seven days and that's how we run our family and that we have family time and we do anyway, right? We all, we already do this, but just even more leaning into what works for us. And so tree changing for me is both a way to, Disrupt systems and disrupting symptoms is, sorry, disrupting systems is a consequence of tree changing. So I see it as both. So when it comes to should I or or shouldn't I, really we need to look at honoring the desire. Like I just invite you to deeply honor the desire that you have, even if it's been a fleeting thought or you've visited friends outside the city or it's just been this wild fantasy that you've had a couple of times or it's just one conversation, honour what it means because I think underneath the desire to be in more space and to move somewhere else, that desire is always regenerative. And it is always on the side of well-being and life for all beings. And so I've heard a lot of people ask, oh, but is it just running away from something? If it's running away from something, I honor that movement. I honor that survival response. You know, I think that in the trauma world, we've gotten to this point of talking about um, hyper-regulation being the, the... kind of the unicorn that we're all chasing, that we all want to be, 
super regulated and for me that's not the aim of this work it's really to understand our deeper motivations to complete things which are creating prolonged survival stress in our physiology and to be able to open up to more expansion and spaciousness on all levels um, and in doing so create more spaciousness in our systems so I really just want to say like if it's a survival response, it's a survival response. It's there for a reason. Like our reptilian brain is helping us to survive. So honor the desire and let the desire move you. Let yourself be danced with. Have a conversation. Awaken and open to the desire and what it is asking of you, whether it's asking you to literally move to a different place or it's asking you to find more spaciousness or to orient more to your environment um, and the greenery and the natural world or it's asking you to look at um, your work or it's asking you to build your capacity and resilience for stress or it's asking you to find out your human design and articulate why it is that you perceive pressure in certain situations either way the desire is helping you move and grow and so we never want to squash the desire or shame it or say well it's just me running away from something the most beautiful things for me in my life have been created because I've been running away from something and now I can do it with more consciousness and now I can get underneath and find the root of the desire but I really honor all the times that I've done something to survive and we need to stay connected to that even though we know tools of how to change our physiological state and manage our stress better. The second thing to say is, as I said before, you can't get all your ducks in a line. At a certain point, you're going to have to get uncomfortable enough to make a decision to move and then to build your capacity to meet yourself on the other side of that. I've said this before and I'll say it again that we're afraid not so much of the outcome or the worst case scenario. We're afraid of getting messy and meeting ourselves in the messy middle of a transition and the feelings that come up as we transition into different ways of being. And I really think that part of my role here is to build our resilience and capacity to meet ourselves in that messy middle and with all of those feelings that are arising and just we can still love and have compassion for ourselves there. And so once we honor the desire and understand that we can't get all our ducks in a row, we come to this third piece of like, what are, what are our family values? What are our true family values here? And those values are not going to be represented by fantasy. They're going to be represented by how you're already spending your time and resources, but potentially, um, is it there's an opportunity to reorient how your um I guess what informs your values. Excuse me. And what I mean by that is sometimes what informs our values is trauma. And so we think that we have a really high value on um on like schooling, but potentially that's coming from an unresolved situation in our bodies which relates to that we were bullied at school or that we felt we we didn't belong and so my knowing is that the more that we work somatically to resolve some of the old survival stress that we're carrying in our bodies 
the more that we can begin to make values aligned decisions based on what is true and aligned for us as opposed to something that we're trying to complete either in our lineage or within our own lifetime and that we're projecting that onto our lives and so there's a different energetic quality to those two desires and I really invite you to um to learn to attune to those different qualities but without needing to revert to as I said before right or wrong good bad right like any movement you make you will be fine you can have your own back you can course correct and you have the capacities and resiliences in order to find comfort and safety there so find one of the values or two of the values that are most meaningful for you and your family at this moment and there's many things that we can do to find our values I'd go through a whole process of it in sacred steward but really understanding that um choosing the one or two that feel most important for you and then making the decision around those is going to at least provide some kind of anchor that you are moving toward and it will help you to make one decision so if place is really important like it was for us then that's the decision you make if schooling is really important for your kids then that's where you decide where to go if um your current community is, is really important to you and staying connected with those particular people, then that is where your decision will come from. But my invitation is that it's a real meeting point between honoring the desire and then allowing that desire to create an environment of spaciousness and openness with which to dance with the desire. And so often we try and make these decisions from a mental place and in doing so, we squash the creative force and the potential and the generative nature of that desire, which is helping us to find creative solutions in order to promote what is rational and right. And let me tell you that if you want to disrupt white supremacy and you want to disrupt capitalism and you want to disrupt systems of oppression, really coming into right relationship with the fact that the rational mind knows best and really questioning that, coming into right relationship with the way you make decisions in an embodied way is disruptive. It is dismantling those systems because those systems are built on pr um, privileging the mind and privileging rationality and privileging logic rather than privileging what is essentially pro-life, pro-aliveness, what is regenerative and what is well for our systems and ourselves. So the last thing I'll say about should I or shouldn't I is um, really honor your human design in how you're going to make that decision. So dance with it, stay in spaciousness, and then honor your way of learning and your human design. So some of you will get them your more kind of kinesthetic and you'll need to go to places to feel how it feels some of you will really ripen your perspective by having lots of different conversations some of you will um will dance with your calming your analytical mind by doing research but research alone obviously won't ever provide the felt sense of safety in your body that is going to allow you to make decisions that are pro well-being um some of you have different authorities in human design some of you need to wait 28 days some of you need to wait for the emotional wave some of you need to wait for your sacral to say fuck yes some of you need to wait for 
um, your spleen to just intuitively know what it wants to move toward um, without explanation. And so most of you within your human design won't have a rational explanation as to why it is that you're moving and you will need to get comfortable communicating it with your people and being so congruent in this is what is right and in right relationship for me and my people right now um and you might, might not have a lot of words. It's just a knowing. It's just a felt sense. And so knowing your design can help you trust that process a little more. The next question is, if you have decided, yes, this feels good, this feels right, let's do it, is, well, why like why would I move when we've got clear on enabling the desire to be there? What are some of the ways that tree changing can support us and can support a regenerative future? So as I said before, I believe that we are creative change makers in really what we choose in, in what we choose not to do, right? Like we can be so, generative in our no's as much as we can our yes we can be generative in what we choose not to do as much as what we choose to do and so it's really important to understand that when you're saying no to living in a way that no longer feels supportive to you you're saying yes to a different way of being and a different system and a different um and a different um expression of activism And so I think that tree changing opens up the possibilities because we don't have access to an incredibly large job market. Um, Although that's not to say like my husband is now working also regionally. I've had lots of opportunities regionally. um, So that's not to say there are no jobs and be really cautious about these binaries that come up. Well, if I moved, then this is the thing. We can stay in the messy middle and all possibilities to be open. But I really see in saying no to, say, working the nine to five, in um, in saying no to maybe there's, a, there's an element that you want more minimalism, more simplicity, saying no to like commuting long periods during the day, saying no to um, having our kids in lots of different activities, saying no to um, not having access to large amounts of green spaces. We're saying yes to the opposite of that. And so I think in that way, what we're introducing is new economies and new ways of living that have not yet been created. And I think that um, for me, like the decision to move meant that we had to find creative solutions to schooling and to hanging out with our friends. Like we see our friends now and we see them for whole weekends. We get to have people come and stay we get to actually spend extended amounts of quality time with people. And so everything that we say we're going to lose, we have access to reimagine. And that's what I think is so exciting. And it all is generated from that one decision which enables endless possibilities and creative potentials. For us, it's also been useful in that in regional areas, we get more access to um, kind of community uh, seeded agriculture we get more access to kind of the food systems and and in that way we're disrupting food systems we grow a lot more of our own food and that's disruptive 
we're also disrupting um, capitalism by spending time on relationship and not valuing productivity and work above all else. And we've found that having a bigger space to look after, it feels like draining and it feels, um, it can feel like before you do it, like, oh, well, I don't have time to look after an acre. And it's like, yeah, you don't have time in the current setup to look after that. But when you start looking after that, it creates spaciousness in your life. So it can create disruptions, like having more responsibility in one area can create a shifting and moving within the whole rest of the structure. One thing I'll say is that it is just simply not possible to keep your life the same as it is now and tree change. I just don't think that that's possible or disruptive or aligned with well-being. I think that you can take elements and I think that um, I think that there can be really big transition periods. So I know a lot of people started commuting and, and still do. I know a lot of people like commuting's not for me, not for us, but a lot of people still do commute. Maybe they've cut down their hours or they're working a couple of days from home, but there will need to be changes. And I think for some people that's really exciting for other people that feels a little iffy, but it's really just leaning into that, letting the move change you and letting the move change the dynamic in the family and make those decisions um, for you. And then there's always chances to course correct and change along the way. So the other, the other thing about tree changing, I think, in terms of the why is that ultimately environment does play a really big role a really big role in our well-being and some people that's more pronounced than others um, but for me the move enabled a form of inner regeneration just by the very fact that I was looking out at green every day and able to be in nature more um, and actually having less access to all the things for me is soothing to my system. I have an open root center in human design, open head center. So less inputs, less possibility, less choice is always better for me. I just operate better like that. And so I think that ultimately I do feel like environment does play a really big part in how we feel, whether that's the environment in which we're um, in relationships, so the people that are around us, that plays a really big part. And yes, there are lots of things we can do to come into energetic correctness around taking on others' energies and things like that. But for me, when I go to the city now, my nervous system struggles. I don't love driving a lot. I don't love... Um, the general atmosphere um I, and I spend a lot of time there because my family's there but for me and for us and it's no judgment of anyone else because everyone thrives in different environments it's just not a yes for my nervous system um yeah I think that's all I'll say about the why because this um conversation is like I actually have more to say than I thought even more to say than I thought um but I, I certainly think that tree changing can be really disruptive in that it changes. It has the potential to change work culture. It has the potential to change with more spaciousness and less money being spent on mortgage. Um, the relationships and gender dynamics in raising kids. Um, that it has the potential to disrupt um, systems that are 
are, are taught for us to be isolated and to focus on productivity above all, mal- all else. And I think it can disrupt food systems. So I do think that it is really generative and that it is a, a beautiful form of activism if that is where you feel called to work. I also think that right now we're moving from this place of activism being like attending marches and all of those things which are really important and again some people are like that's their thing and I love that but activism now is like creating and curating your life and your environment to be as catalytic for you and then standing in that and allowing others to watch and I think that whether tree changing or not the invitation is to demonstrate what it is that you believe and that you want to see in the world and just to allow other people to witness those really courageous, really incredible um, decisions and to see you thriving in them. Um, so once you've become a yes, um, then I think those decisions about where um, and how, I mean, I think that they take care of themselves. And I think I've covered them a little already, but just coming back to that dancing with desire, allowing it to move you, allowing the beautiful process to expand and unfold within you, like desire comes in to move you and to, and and it is brought in from consciousness to create new ways of living. And I think that, um, I just think that when we can, not necessarily be fixated on the how, but just dance with the desire. We allow ourselves to daydream and imagine possibilities in community, right? Um, that are catalytic and generative and so bloody exciting. So I'm going to leave it there. I'd love to hear um, what you've received from this conversation. I would love to hear... Um, I'd love you to share it and I always love you um, tagging me on Instagram so that I can say thank you for sharing it. Um, Whatever you decide, I just want you to know that you are a change maker and that this journey that you've been on to really identify, well, which are the systems I want to disrupt and how do I, how can I use my gifts and which rules do I want to break in order to create new systems? Like your journey is um, evolving beautifully and I would love to support you on that journey. So until next time, my friends, I hope you have a beautiful week and I will chat to you soon.